be able to take it to that next level. That's what I'm excited about. Throws over the middle, wide open, across the five. He's in. Touchdown, Houston. Fires underneath. This is intercepted. Back-to-back possessions with picks for this Texans defense. Takeaway number three on the day. Game day is every day. Five nights a week, the hits keep on coming. Now, it's Texans All Access, presented by Mattress Firm. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris. Football analyst, sideline reporter, so glad to be with you. After a win, oh, I don't know, sigh of relief, joy. It was kind of all that coming off the field yesterday. Guys were just... They were jacked. They were so excited and exhausted. That was a rough afternoon weather-wise. Sun just beaming down, about 90 degrees down on the field, 70 75% humidity. Oh, boy, it was tough. But Texans got it done. 13-6, to 1-3-1 going into the bye. And I said this to Mark at some point, just kind of offhand. I said, what do you think about something real fast? Think back to the Colts game. 17-point lead in fourth quarter. What if you make one or two more plays in that game and get a win? Just that game, get a win. And then Carson Wentz does not throw an interception at the goal line yesterday. Instead, throws a touchdown. Guess who's tied for first place in the AFC South? I know it's crazy to think about, right? No way. But that's the math. The Colts would have been 2-3, but you would have had a tiebreaker over them. Titans would have been two and three. Now you would have been tied with the Titans because you haven't played them. But you would have a win wins over the Jags. The Jags are two and three, so you would have everybody at two and three. But the Texans would have jumped to the top of the the heat because they would have had two division wins, and then they would have been matching up with Tennessee after the bye. But didn't get that win against the Colts. Got a bye, so got half a win. So it's like one and a half and three right now. Um, but got the win yesterday. That's what is most important. Heading into the bye. All right, tonight we're going to hear from Spencer Tillman in our next segment. I always love throwing questions to Spencer, and I threw him one about what this team is through five weeks. I think there's a lot of things. When you think about going back, even before, go back to before training camp and then where this team is now, I think there are a lot of people surprised about what this team has become and what it is and potentially where it could go, but – uh, the rookies have made a significant impact on this team. Obviously, Damian Pierce, Jalen Petrie, uh, Derek Stingley, those guys are entrenched starters. Same with Kenyon Green. You see Troy Hairston uh, when they start with a fullback. He's that guy. Those young guys have made a ton of plays. Veterans like Desmond King stepping up and making plays. Laramie Tunsil and Titus Howard uh, playing probably their best football. I mean, Laramie in particular is playing his best football. Titus had a really good game yesterday. A.J. Can has jumped in at right guard and been really solid. Really solid. Scott Quesenberry at center took over when Justin Britt went out. So I think this team might be a little different than even going through training camp thought it was going to be. Can it evolve and do more things? Sure. There's no, there's no question. Um, but I liked asking that question and like the answer I got back from Spencer Thomas. So you'll hear that a little bit later. But we kick off the Monday show with our good friend Andre Ware. And, of course, we had to talk about the guy who's all the rage right now in the league, and for good reason, Damian Pierce. 
What a defensive performance yesterday. But let's start where we've been starting and stopping and working with it all day long. Damian Pierce, 99 yards. You look at that number, it's not the biggest number we've ever seen, but there were some big runs yesterday. I think he showed that he could carry the load. I think that's what uh, that's why the coaching staff's been kind of cautious with him, being a rookie, not being the primary ball carrier uh, in college and, and so on, sharing time or whatever. But I think he proved yesterday that he could carry the load. He, we were waiting on that 20-plus carry game uh, to see how fresh he would be in the fourth quarter. And uh, he kind of put the team on his back at one point and just willed him to a win. Felt like he's putting everybody on his back yesterday. Tyson Campbell got on his back and found out. Uh, you know, there's that 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 uh, that that gif that's going around, and it's got it's like an X and Y axis, and it's like blank around and find out. Well, Tyson Campbell was all the way over to the nine or ten level on bleep around, and he was at nine or ten finding out because <laughs> because Damian Pierce uh, did him wrong many times. Drake, what are we seeing with Nico Collins? I think we're starting to see uh, what we thought we would get out of training camp. And, and I said he, he needs at least seven targets a game. I would say the same thing for uh, for Jordan Aiken because he is a phenomenal target that uh, just kind of goes unnoticed at times and then he's inserted in the game, makes a big play, does his job, and then trots back to the sideline. But you know, if this offense is going to get any spark, you've got to add additional playmakers to it opposite Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins is starting to step up. We saw what O.J. Howard can do in the passing game. Jordan Akins is that kind of receiver, so or tight end. So you're start you're starting to see guys really gel together, and playmakers opposite Cooks start to really step forward. And and Nico certainly is uh, is that type of receiver. And they didn't turn the ball over, and that was big yesterday because they forced turnovers from the Jags. Two picks by Lawrence, and also. Three fourth down stops, which I'm not saying they automatically equal a turnover, but they kind of do. I said during the broadcast, what's the exchange rate? Three fourth down stops equals two turnovers. I don't know, but whatever the case is, the defense, Dre, held the Jags to six points in their building, and this was a Jacksonville team that wanted this one so badly. Two weeks ago, they smashed the Chargers. They had the ugly game at Philly, and yesterday the Texans Ugly win, maybe, but it's a pretty W at the end of the day. Yeah, sometimes styles make fights. Uh, you know, this is they, the the defense certainly made it ugly for Jacksonville's offense. I mean, this is obviously the lowest point total of the year for them. And if they have an ugly game like they had in uh, in Philly, uh, they win the game because they put 21 points on the board in an ugly game against Philly the week before. But that wasn't the case here. The Texans' defense stepped up. Forced turnovers, as you mentioned. Uh, Derek Stingley getting his first interception of, uh, of his young career. It, it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch guys flying around. I think Garrett Wallow, he played well yesterday. Um, Desmond King had bright moments during the game. Yes. And it wasn't just one person doing it. It was every level mm -hmm. of the defense, someone contributing in, some, in a different way at an important time in the game. So it was refreshing to see the defense really – kind of assert itself again yesterday. Jay, Mark and I were talking about this earlier. I remember back in April when Lovey Smith was asked about the secondary, and he very pointedly said the secondary was just not good enough. But then you mentioned Desmond King. You had the fourth down diving breakup in the first half. He had the interception in the game. He had another breakup in the fourth quarter. Mm. Desmond King was fantastic. On top of the fact you have J.O. and Petrie playing well at safety and Steven Nelson and Stingley. That group, 
I know yesterday they didn't, not a lot of sacks coming up front, so the pass rush until the fourth quarter really wasn't getting home, yet that secondary seemed to be kind of holding. So what do you think about the way that secondary whole new unit is coming together back there, Dre? Well, I think you got a uh, you know, big shout-out to, to Coach Smith for the game plan itself to put him in a position to – to be successful and then hold up on the back end when pass rush really, you know, wasn't getting there. They were blanketed on the back end and, and uh, you, you, they're a relatively young group with two rookies in on the back end. Jonathan Owens, this is his first time as a, as a every down starter, so to speak. And then Steven Nelson being the, the elder statesman on the back end along with King. Um, but, you know, when you can hold up the way they were, um, that, that's going to be tough. And Jacksonville's got some experienced receivers that can run routes, Marvin, uh, Marvin Jones and the likes, Zay Jones, mm-hmm. guys that can, can play in this league. And, and when you can blanket them that way, it's encouraging because you know that even without your best stuff, sometimes you're going to be able to hold up. Andre Ware joining us on Texans Monday. Dre, scoring around the league was down last year. It's down even more this year. And, you know, we're talking one point or whatever average. These are not Mm -hmm. huge numbers, but it's trending in a direction where I'm sure the league is saying, huh, I'm not sure I like this in the offices on Park Avenue. Tell me your theory on it. I, I know Johnny's got a theory. I've got some theories. What do you think? Why do you think scoring might be down a tad? Well, I think just from the standpoint of, uh, of defenses at this point in the season, and remember, we're only like five games in, are always ahead of offenses. And then at some point, it's going to take a spike and start to go the other way because chemistry is just so hard to build. I think as well, a lot that plays into this is when you don't play starters in the preseason and ramp up mm-hmm. to the regular season, mm-hmm. you're going to have a slow start as as what we're seeing right now. And, and you've got tons of experienced quarterbacks that didn't play in the preseason. Uh, you've got ex- experienced backs. You've got offensive linemen that are veterans that were held out during the preseason. So the preseason is a joke to me. I mean, I know a lot of people don't want to hear that. It's an absolute joke. I won't get on that bandwagon this morning. I'll let it be. <laughs> but um, it's not used the way it used to be used to ramp up for that first game. Uh, and, and so when you have, when you take that approach, you're going to have a slow start and the defense can fly around and make plays. They start that from day one because it's just re- almost, I, I don't want to say reckless football, but that's the way you have to play on that side of the ball. And it's easier for a defense to gel certainly than 11 guys on an offense that one out of place is going to throw the whole thing off. That takes time to build. And, and when you don't have those reps in preseason, it starts to show early in the regular season. So, Dre, your thoughts on Trevor Lawrence now that we saw we saw him twice last year in his rookie year, which, boy, that was tough with Urban Meyer. This is the first time we saw him with Doug Peterson, and heading into that game, we had seen some pretty good things from Trevor Lawrence. What are your thoughts about seeing him yesterday and the progress or lack thereof for the number over, number one overall pick in 2021? Yesterday was the first day I think I might have ever just questioned Trevor Lawrence. And I don't know if it's the mm-hmm. environment. I don't know if it's Jacksonville. I don't know if it's what they have around them because they've got some players. Uh, ETN is a heck of a player. How they're mm-hmm. used and players that are used around him because I thought that at times that number one should have been in the game along with 16. Yeah. And they had Robinson in and just because of the rotation. Well, damn it, when the rotation's not working, you break from the rotation. And I'm glad to see that they they held true to whatever they were doing 
uh, with the rotation. I don't know that there's a lot of playmakers around him. Christian Kirk, I'm not sure he had a catch yesterday. If he did, it was only one. And then Marvin yep. Lewis, you know, he stepped up and made some plays. A. Jones at times and Evan Ingram. But there's not a lot around him. But yesterday, just from a, a throwing the football standpoint, I that was the first time I think I questioned Trevor Lawrence. Everything was high. It's it's you see that with a young quarterback at the start of a game, but usually when they settle in, uh, he he's supposed to become more accurate. Uh, the 60% passer that he is for his career and 65 on the year uh, this season, but it just wasn't there. He was high all day long, and and eventually it caught up with him. Decision making down on the goal line, you know, if, if it's a tight window down there, let's make sure we get three points in a close game. He throws the pick to uh, to Stingley. I just, you scratch your head and you wonder, is it the environment he's in or is it the player at this point in year two? Yeah, I, I was looking at the same thing, Dre, and you and I talked after the game. You know, he's got open guys and he's drilling the ball. I mean, this isn't yeah, baseball where you're looking away. for the swing and a miss. <laughs> yeah, five yards away and he's throwing it through guys. I mean, you, seven yards away, you throw a guy a catchable ball, let him turn up and make plays for you. He's trying to turn them over with it and yeah, it's it's nice to see a big arm on display, but down the field, not not passes that are supposed to be touched in. He hasn't figured out that yet. Everything is big arm to him. When he figures it out, he's going to be dangerous, but that's the part of his, his game right now that needs to catch up with everything else. All right, so last week we saw some good throws by Mills. They couldn't close the deal. They couldn't get over the top on the Chargers. This week, it's not like they threw for a bunch of yards. I mean, it's 140 on the day, 66% completion. They didn't turn it over, no TDs, but it was steady as she goes because the defense was kind of holding serve on their end. What would you make of the Davis Mills performance yesterday, and where are we trending? Yeah, you're not going to win a lot of games throwing for 140, but you, you sometimes you just got to do enough. And there is always a game two or three in the NFL where some portion of the three components, will, is not, it's not going to come together. Yesterday it was offensively, but it was enough. And you're just hoping when that day happens that you've got enough to get on the scoreboard and ultimately win the game and get out of there, whether it's at home or on the road. Usually it's a road game. And I thought that was kind of the, the, the story yesterday with the Texans on offense where you couldn't figure it out. And then all of a sudden, that roughing the passer uh, penalty on Walker was the turn in the game because it's, it like lit a fire. Uh, Damian Pierce, that's when he decided he was, he was going to will this team to a win, put the team on his back. There were a couple of completions in there. And it was just enough. And so that's all you hope for, just to have enough to win when you have a game like that, especially on the offensive side. And I thought that was the case yesterday with the Texans. All right, Dre, you play the quarterback position. So I'm, pre I'm pretty sure you've seen Tom Brady being sacked by Grady Jarrett and Jerome Boger calling a 15-yard penalty on that particular play. Do you think, A, just bad call in the moment, just overreacted, or do you think there's something – as Peter King put it this morning, and I actually thought Peter King had a good point about kind of the overreaction to the Tua situation when Tua was not taken out of a game that he definitely should have been taken out of against the Buffalo Bills, and then what that turned into the following week. What are your thoughts about that particular play, and is it just one isolated incident, or do you think maybe there's a little bit more of an overreaction to it because of how things were handled with Tua as the quarterback for the Dolphins? 
I think there's an overreaction to it. I don't think it was it necessarily uh, vibes with what happened to Tua. I think it happened. It's the player and it's Brady. I mean, rules were changed because of Brady, <clears throat> and and how you can hit quarterbacks. Um, that that's known. That's just a fact. And so when it's Brady and it's a star and it's Aaron Rodgers or it's uh, Patrick Mahomes, they're gonna get calls like that. I mean, it's like basketball with Jordan. You know, you breathe on him, you're gonna get a call. And, and other guys that have earned, kind of earned that respect. Just an overreaction. <clears throat> I think if he had it to do over again, uh, he wouldn't drop the flag in that instance. And uh, But, you know, any other quarterback, Davis Mills is not going to get that call. I don't think Trevor Lawrence <laughs> is going to get that call. Yeah. There, I'm just being honest. There's certain guys yeah. that aren't going to get that call, but Brady and Rodgers, uh, and then there's a, a tier of quarterbacks that absolutely will get it from week to week. But I, I think if, he, if Jerome had a chance to, had a, had a redo there. Uh, he he he'll take a long look at that one and be a little more uh, a little more deliberate in his in this next game. In yeah, an well, instant to, like like that one. But here's my take, and it kind of goes along with what you're saying. It's Tom Brady, and sometimes in the NFL or any level of football, let's say pass interference, you get your hands at a guy. Well, mm-hmm. it didn't really, you know, it didn't affect it. That you invite the flag right. with certain instances. True. OPI, True. if you extend the arm, right. you invite, you're, you're, you're tempting the official to throw the flag. When you fling Tom Brady like that, you are tempting the <laughs> official to throw a flag, and he... Were you supposed to just, like, place him down? Or yes, just place him, him down, John. Or just... <laughs> Just hold him. Give him a good yeah. old-fashioned bear give his, hug. Give him his whoobie and a, yes. a nice scotch give him before a bed. And pl- yes, <laughs> and a blankie we're, we're, and put him down. We're, we're, we're fastly headed <clears throat> in regards to quarterbacks, how they played the Pro Bowl, you know, which is yeah. a joke, and now they've finally gotten rid of it. But, you know, that's where we're headed. I mean, just put flags on them. Can't hit them because you don't know where to hit them anymore, and mm-hmm. uh, and you're getting flagged for it. And when you fling them, you're going to get a flag. So just put flags on them let them. Uh, that that way, or wrap them up and softly escort them to the ground the way they tackle in the Pro Bowl. But that's I where we're not, headed. In in 40 years, I think it would take 30, 40 years. Don't be surprised if it's something like that. If it's <laughs> like wrap up, thud, you know, in the grass mm-hmm. kind of thing. And Good that'll be enough. Pace. Yeah, that'll <laughs> be enough. How about paintball? Yep. Just like splatter the the paint. He's got little he's got little paint I mean, sacks. The thing about it is, twenty five years from now, they'll see that play Grady Jarrett made, and they're like, oh, "How violent!" Yeah, that's so. That's violent. what we're that's so violent. Right, uh, Why is he so violent with him? I want to talk about the Raiders, but I I also want to vet about college football. May I just for a moment, guys, and get of your course. opinion on this? So wait a minute. So Alabama was number one, right? Uh, yes. yes. Yeah, they were. Yeah. I mean, not that this is a big deal right yeah, now. Yeah, Alabama it's October. was one or Georgia was one, but one. No, two. Georgia, I think, just took over, no, they, right? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they, so, Bama had the spot. Georgia jumped them. I think in the last poll, uh, Bama was back at number one. Okay, so Alabama, they won the game, right? Did they? Yeah, they yes. did. Beat, they beat A&M. They beat A&M at home with right. their backup quarterback, whatever. Right. Uh, they turned it over a bunch of times. I know they didn't look good. It's it, The beauty contest is so frustrating and i'm not an alabama fan i'd love to see them be number 60 okay but they don't deserve to get knocked off by georgia what is georgia look at georgia's scores georgia all these close games missouri last week and to me if you're gonna if you're gonna award it on beauty right now the number one spot give it to ohio state because they've demolished everybody right they beat notre dame in the opener they just demolished michigan state i know this is not the sec but come on 
the, Ohio State should be the number one team in the country right now. Not that it matters October 10th. All right, I'll stop. I, I, I couldn't agree more with you. And everything is done for appeal now or interest where we, we've got we've to make different moves and elevate different teams uh, based on the, the amount of, uh, what's it called, likes and, and this and that mm -hmm. to keep interest. So we go yep. back and forth with Georgia and Alabama. Bama's playing, as you mentioned, with a backup quarterback, a backup quarterback at home against a pretty good football team coming in that beat them last year. And they find a way to win, and you don't tell me you get, you're not going to give credit for that. You're going to drop them down one, one peg because Georgia beat, who was it? Was it Auburn this weekend? Yeah, yeah. and they're I mean, so good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's my point. I mean, they're, they're, they're so good they want to run their coach out of town and at any chance they can get, they want Bart Brian Harson out of there. But it, it's just amazing. I see it in the in the Heisman race as well every year. From from week to week, you got a jockeying of positions. How about we give the season a little time, and when we get to about middle or late October, we really start to lock in on it. Because you can't really tell from a guy having a great game over here and a great game. It's almost like you can't lose a game and still win the Heisman Trophy because if you lost, you had to have played badly. But no, you might have had a great game and you know somebody gave up a late game touchdown and, and you lose. But you get you're gonna drop in the Heisman race because of it. It's amazing to me. Uh, the rankings in terms of teams are the exact same way. It drives me nuts. Dre, your game Friday night was incredible because it's your alma mater and they're coming back from behind in the fourth quarter. It felt like the Cougars finally found their grit and their toughness a little bit in that fourth quarter. That was a whale of a game. The Cougs beat Memphis. What do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, it, it just shows that you have to play 60 minutes and anything can happen. Uh, when you have timeouts at the end of a game, uh, they, and they still, with all that was going on, <clears throat> I think they ended the game with a timeout that they didn't have to spend because of Memphis's approach late in the game and because of how they just decided to grind one out. Clayton Toon showed some guts on 4th and eleven. Uh, running for a first down to keep a drive alive, and ultimately it was the go-ahead drive. The kick, the kick return by Jace Rogers kind of swung the momentum in, in the favor of the Cougs. And then, you know, uh, I think Carter, Keyshawn Carter, stepped up big in the fourth quarter on that last drive and ultimately sealed the deal with a touchdown catch. But um, it was one of those games that you just never could see it coming because they looked so flat for so long. And then usually the case is the other team just goes ahead and kicks you to sleep. Well, they hung mm -hmm. around just enough, 19 points with in the fourth quarter to where they kept themselves positioned that if they just started to play a little bit. I think the problem is they need to get out of the huddle more and attack. They were attacking the final drive of the final couple of drives of that game, whereas they're huddled up, break the huddle, go read the mic. This, sometimes you just got to go play football. That's what they're built to do. And that's what they need to do going forward. It showed on the final couple of drives of the game. Look, you guys played this game, both of you guys. This is for both of you guys. If you're on defense, what do you not want to see? You don't want to see no huddle. What are we doing? I don't, uh, I don't know Damian where to line Pierce. up. Well, you don't want to see no huddle, right? You, Dre, am I right? Exactly if you're right. a defense. No, you're acting like, exactly right. No, go ahead, huddle up. That way we can see your personnel. We mm -hmm. can talk about how we're going to handle yes. whatever is coming at us. No huddle. It's like, oh, my gosh, where are you supposed to be? I'm supposed to be over here. Whoop, big play. Well, to no huddle, I, I, no I huddle it, in motion. I said it yesterday. Yeah, I said it yesterday during the game. The Jags were subbing. Texans didn't sub. They're at the line of scrimmage, and the Jaguars are still running people on the field, and they got they have a run called 
to where the guy running on the field is about to get down and align himself. He's still halfway there. Snap the football. What are you waiting on him for? You have a run play called. Why are you waiting on him to go get set? That might be something. It's, ama- it's amazing to me. So, so you 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 flip it around, and you're, to your point, Mark, you don't. You're tired. You've been rushing the passer down after down. Now you have no pass rush because you're exhausted. You can't substitute because we're we're not substituting, and that's what the Cougars have been built to do uh, the last few years and under Coach Holgerson at that. So yeah, they want to run the football more. They want to break off from the air raid principles a little bit, but they're called calls for time or time for for change in a game to where if this is working, let's roll with this and get some points and and figure this thing out later. But that was at the right time. They went to it. It worked. I just think I'd love I'd love to see a little bit more of that. If you can go no huddle and mix in like some formation quirks, like unbalanced or a tackle over or something like that as you're going to no huddle and then throw in yes. some motion with that, you just, I'm telling you, as a, as a safety, you're trying to sit back there and figure it all out. Uh, no. If you're going no huddle, you're like, wait a second, tackle. I mean, it, and it's going so fast, you're going to get a big play offensively just because and, they're going to break Johnny, down. Johnny, I'm not really even talking about just tempo where you're just, you know, hyper race right, right. speed. You're just yeah. keeping the same personnel on the field right. where they can't substitute mm-hmm. and you're just running plays. And they right. defenses cannot stand it. Wow. All right, Dre, uh, what do you have this week? Going up to SMU. I got SMU and Navy on Friday night, and then uh, obviously with a bye week, I can ease my way back into Houston and, and have a little time off. So looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the Naval Academy. They they won big this past week. And then SMU, they will run some tempo. I'll get to see oh, yeah. some tempo on their side. Dre's going to see one of the better receivers in the country, Rasheed Rice unbelievable speed and athleticism he is going to be a pl- name to watch as we get towards the 2023 nfl draft faux show yes rushy rice from smu all right we get back spencer tillman we get a little existential with spencer next right here on texas all access stay tuned for more on the houston texans and the nfl on texans all access Texans all access Texans. we return to texans radio this Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris. And hey, we've got a lot of fans out there, but I got to give some props to today's biggest Houston fan, and that's Dykin. D A I K I N Dykin. These guys are doing big things in Houston. As the world's number one indoor comfort provider, Dykin is committed to perfecting the air that connects us all from comfort and convenience to air quality. Dykin's innovations are changing how people enjoy the indoors as they lead the way to a more sustainable future, reducing our carbon emissions to net zero by 2050. Learn more at DykinLovesHouston.com. That's Dykin, D-A-I-K-I-N, DykinLovesHouston.com. Also, a guy who loves Houston is Spencer Tillman. Spence sat down to talk with Mark and I. Of course, we started with him the exact same way we started with Dre. You got to tell us about this running back, Damian. Here's your thoughts. He's a ball of uh, knives running at you, man. I mean, the guy is so tough to tackle. He runs with great aggression. All the cliche things you hear to try to describe a back, but I think those unique skill sets that sets him apart is his suddenness and his and his ability to run violently. And, and again, I just use that descriptor. He's like a ball of knives. 
he makes it so difficult for a defender to tackle him. Uh, and you've got to be mindful because he'll stiff arm you, he'll pop, he'll explode in your chest. He'll just do things that makes a single defender's job so tough. That's the reason why it appears like, and he, he literally is, running through several defenders on plays. And, man, it was pleasant to watch. And, again, I don't want anybody to construe what I'm saying. I've not seen anybody impact um, tacklers the way he does since Walter Payton. I mean, I just he, – he runs to me in, the, in that knifing kind of explosive, difficult way to attack like Walter did. And so uh, he's young, long way to go. But if he stays healthy, man, and just continues to perform at this high level, you can do a lot of things to cover a multitude of sins as this ten- team continues to grow and, and come into its own. Spencer, after five games, kind of a loaded question in some sense, but where are we? It's football existentialism 101. Where are we, the Texans, after five games? Well, I love the fact that you are willing to acknowledge that because that's, that's the kind of conversation I guarantee is going to be going on during this break time, asking those existential questions. I mean, when you're in the fire, right, you just got to respond to a lot of things. You, you, you hope that what you've worked on to that point kind of carries you. But, you know, um, and again, I'm, since we're getting existential here, there's a, there's a Latin expression, in circulus inventor, it means uh, in the mud or the mire will be found the solutions that you're looking for, you know, uh, and that's where it is. And so for me, it's an interior line. I think George Warnock, Warhop is going to have um, the challenge put on him to try to find the solutions that are going to allow them to sustain the success that they have demonstrated, at least against the Jaguars, on the ground in the rush game. I mean, the back is part of that. But you have to have some continuity. And we all know that there's been changes at the center spot. Um, and there's some things that you need to do to sure up the consistency and the blocking that's going to allow that run game to command numbers in the box, right, defenders. And then that's going to mean Nico Collins is going to have success more because you got to make some choices about how you're going to defend that guy if he continues to progress. And now you start to stress defenses, and that's where it gets really fun again in the West Coast offense really begins to uh, do what it does best. And that's really allow you to pick and choose in those latter quarters. Because you, you, once you get a beat on what teams are trying to do, uh, some teams don't have to. I've seen teams stay in the cover two shell and not make, you know, you don't make them because you're not good enough to make them come out of it with numbers around the box. So it's a chess game. And to the degree that you can play chess, you've got to have the right moves. And that means that offensive line has got to be sured up with consistent blocking so that the run can set up the pass. Spencer Tillman, Spencer Tillman joining us right now on Texans Monday. Spence, what about Davis Mills? What are you seeing? It was another game where, hey, he did enough here, uh, but he made the big drive throws in the fourth quarter, especially the third and ten to Jordan Akins. I thought that was good, the throw to Nico, giving him a chance to make a play. Not a high volume of yards here. We talked about Pierce's contribution, but you did see some progress here as they got the victory. Yeah, I did see progress. And really, you know, sometimes it's a minimalist approach, uh, Mark, but the bottom line is you don't turn the ball over. You don't turn the ball over. As he continues to mature, he's at a phase now where a mistake can really compound itself really quickly. For give you an example when you're in a scenario where it's, say, a third and, and more than six or seven plus. Well, he is who he is, and he can expect pressure, particularly against the defensive coordinator that he was facing. But sometimes it's almost like he's surprised that he's going to get pressure in that situation. Well, we know he's smart. We know he's sharp. Well, that's got to transfer. The feature of your awareness and your alertness, your Stanford background, all of that bright stuff that we used to talk about to define him, you know, coming up to this point, you got to move that from feature of who you are to a benefit for the team. My awareness means if I slide in the pocket sooner, uh, if you can pre-snap and assess what's going on, man, that makes you play 
better post-snap. That's what any good quarterback who has this suite of skills needs to be able to master. And that's what I see him getting better at. I think one time he did get pressured in a third and long, and he should have known that pressure was coming. So that should not be a surprise because they did, the offensive line, did what it could to pick up the numbers. One is going to be left for him, and he's got to deal with that. So um, he can do that pre-snap. He can identify where people are and where they're most likely to come from. He's, he's a smart cat. He can see those things. Spencer, with the way the first four games had gone, to just get a win, no matter how ugly, no matter how pretty, however you want to classify it, to just get a win going into a bye week for this relatively young it's been kind of a mixed team, but it's a team that's getting great play from its young players. How important was it to just get off the schneid and get a W after the way the first four games had gone? Well, I think it's significant because there is a chasm. You guys know this. There's a gap between the expectations of fans and what the players know internal to the organization, what the coaches know internal to the organization is the reality. All of us got kind of a little bit intoxicated by the potential of what could be when you go undefeated in the preseason, you've got a lot of positive talk that's out there, new head coach stepping in, you know, with NFL pedigrees, not a new guy, you know, that kind of deal. All of those things are positive, right? But the reality of the matter is they pay their guys as much as we pay our guys to do stop us from doing what we're trying to do against them. So you've got to respect that. This league was designed for parity. And so there are no dominant teams in that regard. At least the dynasties don't last as long as they used to for reasons. That competitive balance is what makes the National Football League such a celebrated sport. It's the most popular sport, period. You know, I know globally soccer is, but the, this football in America is what it is because everybody can beat you on any given week. So when you can get wins, particularly stack them on top, and then coming into a break after you had the long losing streak, I can't think of anything more important and significant other than maybe the health of the players and just getting them back for their 100%, getting the linebackers playing at a high level again. Those things are points of interest that the team has got to be focused on. But it was the timing of the win was absolutely huge with this break coming up. Absolutely. All right. Can I give you my mini college football rant that I gave <laughs> looking Andre? Forward, about, looking forward. Right. If, it's, if it's about Tommy Tuberville, I'm really on tiptoes of anticipation. We'll talk about that later. That's something else. <laughs> um, uh, well, I want I want to get your thoughts on DTR because I know you did the game this past Saturday. Yep. But quickly on the polls here, and I just think this is great for people to talk about college football because Georgia being number one to me, it's not ridiculous, ridiculous. But come on, Alabama just won a game, and I'm not an Alabama fan. But Georgia mm -hmm. beat Auburn. So what? Look, a win is a win. Great, they beat Auburn. The uh, Alabama Crimson Tide beat the Aggies. I think Ohio State should probably be number one based on what they've done so far. But it's all brand name recognition because TCU and some of these other teams, Penn State mm -hmm. even, they beat Auburn. Why don't they deserve to be more up there? Because they didn't start there. It's all like where you start and what the brand name recognition is. Your thoughts? Yep, I love that. I think that's great uh, ascertaining what the situation is. You take, which is a dagger for me, Oklahoma getting beat down by Texas the way that they did. When people that were calling me, the shows that I was on, that asked me, for, I said, look, it's not going to be pretty. They go, well, you're an anti like, How can you say that? What do you mean? I'm not a fan. I'm an, I'm, I'm an analyst. I say what I see. There is no DNA, at least the level of DNA, that disturbed player, that spurned player who came from Texas, didn't get a, an offer from Texas. There's no Baker Mayfield. There's no, if you want to go back in history, from uh, Joe Washington from Port Arthur, Texas, uh, Billy mm. Sims from Hooks, Texas, David Overshaw. Let's go down and talk about the great players that came from Texas. You don't see those great players on that Oklahoma roster anymore. And Oklahoma has to understand they're great at marketing. Joe Casiglione is a brilliant person when it comes to marketing. But names and numbers are what matters. Players play the game. And there is a gap right now because of the portal. 
because of what Lincoln Riley did when he left, taking the great quarterback. All of those things are not excuses. That's the reality. So now that you know what the reality is, man, you better buckle down as you head to the SEC because, believe me, a year ago this time, to your point, nobody thought that UCLA and USC would be in a better position as they prepare to move to the Big Ten than Oklahoma and Texas would be as they prepare to move to the SEC. Now, Texas is out of that category now because they're really on the right track with Sark. I had them two weeks ago, and let me tell you something. It's, a, it's, it's, it's creative tension, but Gary Patterson's presence on that defense is helping Pete Kwiatkowski a tremendous amount, and that goose egg against Oklahoma is evidence of that. Spencer, you had Utah and UCLA. You mentioned UCLA. They got a quarterback-running back duo that is stout. What do you think of DTR and Charbonnet? You know, Charbonnet uh, is a vintage back, by the way. He's a very, very nice mile back. <laughs> you know, he's, he was unbelievable in terms of his ability. He has one trait. He's a little bit bigger than Damian Pierce, but he, he reminds me at times for back his size. It's about 215, yep. 218, he, and he's taller. He's a little about 6'1". He, he doesn't give you clean angles on him. So in that regard, he kind of reminds me a little bit of, of Damien in that regard. But he's not nearly as violent as Damien. Damien is sudden and violent, and, uh, and he knows it. And then Charbonnet is more of a, a patient guy. He'll wait a little bit. And for his size, you can get frustrated. Watch him. You can say, well, look, you're big enough. Go, just go in there take the guy. No, he's, he's patient. He's a smart back. So I love him. DTR has been a, a process. And in this portal era that we're in, uh, when he came in in 2018, it was absolutely amazing to me that Chip was able to keep him as long as he did. But he had a lot of growth, and he needed the growth. And so now they come in and augmented him with Bobo, the big transfer that they've got, you know, at the Z position, at tight end, I mean, at, uh, at receiver. They've got some parts around him now where he doesn't have to be that guy that improvises, and then you have to hold your breath anticipating what he may or may not do. He had perfected the art in 2008 of sucking the life out of great play calling and great drives and things of that nature, but you don't see him making those mistakes. So Chip trusts him now. DTR is playing at an elite level. He's mature, a wonderful interview, just a great guy. I tell you what, UCLA is the team to look for right now, man. If they're sitting there undefeated, uh, they're special. Spencer Tillman joining us. Wait, what do you have this week? I got uh, – this is a great game. Uh, really quickly, I know you're up against it, but we've got Wisconsin and Michigan State. The storylines of this was real intriguing with the coaching mm. potential change. One kind of got a big you – know, backed up the Brinks truck last week with Mel Tucker, and now – uh, things a little shaky there, right, in East Lansing yeah. and, and, and counterpart. It's going to be really interesting. They let Paul Chris grow, and so uh, Jim, uh, Jim, their defensive coordinator, is a, a great guy, one of, one of the great minds, I think, in, in football in, in the collegiate level. So we're going to see how they, they fare, but that's a great storyline to watch. Now, i tell you what, Spencer and his uh, partner, Tim Brando, have done some really good games. Now, they've had some duds, too, but They've had some really solid games. This last week, they had Utah and UCLA. Obviously, that's why I asked uh, about Charbonnet and DTR. And those two are guys to watch. I mean, my comp to Nick uh, to uh, Charbonnet is Nick Chubb. If you see Nick Chubb, you've seen Zach Charbonnet. Very similar guys. I think Chubb's a little bit better athlete, but Charbonnet's one heck of a running back. And DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, receiver in high school up until senior year, took over a quarterback. Got a scholar at UCLA. Got a scholar at UCLA without even playing quarterback. Took over and has been the starter for the last three years. He went back to UCLA for 2022. I think that was a wise, wise thing. Not a big guy, six foot, 200, but can sling it, can run, tough, gritty, uh, everything you really want. And guys from Las Vegas. So there you go. 
Dorian, Thompson Robinson, keep it on UCLA. Spence had that game against Utah. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the full game sometime this week. Sometime during the bye week. Maybe I'll get a chance to catch up. All right. We're going to go around the NFL and look at what happened in the league next, right here in Texas All Access. Texans Radio continues in a moment. Continues in a moment. Texans Radio is back. Final segment this Monday edition of Texas All Access. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. It's time to go around the NFL, and it's brought to you by Whataburger. And the Texas Whataburger and Houston Food Bank are teaming up to help them take on their toughest opponent ever, Houston area hunger. Just donate a dollar next time you're in an area Whataburger, and that dollar will go to help the Houston Food Bank. And you'll even get a coupon for a free Whataburger with purchase of a 32-ounce drink and medium fry for every buck that you give. So from now until October 10th, that's today, Gibblebot can be a part of the team that's wiping out hunger in Houston. All right, this is going to be fast. Hang on for the ride. Get me some music, and it's time to go to London, where the Packers got beat. 27-22, Cheeseheads in London taking L as Daniel Jones and the Giants get it done. Jones, no tutties, didn't run for any either, but he controlled the game throughout, really held his own in this game against the Packers. 21-27 for 217, Saquon again. 70 yards rushing, one touchdown, had the game-winning touchdown, 27-22. G-Man go to 4-1. and one. The Bills housed the Steelers, 38-3. There's nothing more to say about that. The Chargers had a 30-28 lead late, and Brandon Staley went for it on fourth down and got stuffed. Oh, no. The Chargers are going to lose 31-28, but they didn't. Chargers hang on, 30-28. Yay, go Chargers. Nice job getting a win over the Browns. Um, like we said, we love the Texans and any team that plays the Browns this year. Vikings. Had to hang on against the Bears, 29-22. Kirk Cousins throws for 296 and a touchdown. Justin Fields got it going a little bit, throwing. Good to see that. But Vikings 4-1 on the season. The Patriots blanked the Lions, completely zapped them with Bailey Zappi. The Seahawks played another high-scoring game. They are scoring, but they're giving it up, too. Taysom Hill went crazy in this game. Nine rushes, 112 yards, three touchdowns as the Saints get a 39-32 win. Both teams move to two and three. The Dolphins took on the Jets. First play of the game, Teddy Bridgewater went out with a concussion. Jets then rolled 40-17. The Jets are three and two, same as the Dolphins. Good for the Jets at this point in the season. Buccaneers, 21-15. Obviously, the sack heard around the world. Grady Jarrett apparently threw down Tom Brady. You can't do that. The 45-year-olds got a 15-yard penalty. And the Falcons never had a shot after that. Buccaneers win 21-15 as they bounce back from that loss to the Packers and to the Chiefs. Titans, uh, Carson Wentz intercepted at the goal line as the Titans win that one. 21-17, David Long came up big with that pick. 49ers took on the Panthers and ended the career of Matt Rule. 37-15, Panthers fired Matt Rule earlier today. Uh, it's been a lot of things building up. It wasn't just that loss, but the 49ers get that win on the road. Cowboys went into the building they thought was theirs and really snatched the souls of the Rams. 22-10, Cooper Rush gets another win. Cameron Dicker, the kicker, beat the Cardinals 20-17 for the Eagles with a three-pointer, and the Cardinals' Matt Amendola missed one right as the Eagles stay undefeated 5-0, and and the Cardinals have lost eight straight at home. And then Sunday night, Ravens. Late game drive, Lamar Jackson and then Justin Tucker, arguably the greatest kicker. That's not arguable. He's the greatest kicker of all time. 1917 with the game winner. And there you have it. 
The NFL on a Sunday, always magical. We'll see you tomorrow, buddy. And as always, go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610.